bad dumb cast. Actually, I'm likely... Dumb. <laughs> I'm super dumb. Okay, so... Yeah. Welcome back. Um, what we were talking about a little bit, and I, like, violently halted the conversation <laughs> so that we could take a break. Uh, and I think it's probably... Arguably the most important aspect of Pokemon as a series mm-hmm. are, is in the actual creature design itself. Yeah. And I know that we all have our, uh, like, preferences as to, like, what Pokemon are well and poorly designed. Yeah. Um, I'd say that their hit-to-miss ratio is staggeringly high. I agree. Yeah. Like, for the number... And I honestly don't know how many new Pokemon are in Sun and Moon... Or if you want to count Alolan versions of Gen 1 Pokemon as, like, separate designs, which you kind of have to. Yeah. And then Mega Pokemon on top of that. We're talking well over the 800 point here. Yeah. Like, multiple forms, Mega versions, Alolan forms, everything. There's that weird Mewtwo in a Pokemon tournament that had, like, shards of glass sticking out of his face. (laughs) That was pretty fucked up. Uh, Yeah, I would count, just based on, again, probably nostalgia-tainted, of course, as all things Pokemon-related are, but, like, two-thirds hits out of 800 attempts, at least. That doesn't even mean, and hit doesn't mean, like, average, take it or leave it. It means, like, this is cool. Yeah, like... An actual success. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, that kind of... Th- this is why I get so upset when people are like, Oh, Pokemon are fucking... That's so stupid now. You keychain Pokemon. <laughs> and while I, too, hate Clef Key, yeah. as does every right-thinking individual, uh, <laughs> this it's part of the reason why I hold Muck up as one of my favorite Pokemon. Uh, it's not really because I love piles of sludge. <laughs> Really? <laughs> uh, yeah. I do love poison types, but uh, I like Muck because like he is a quintessential example of Gen 1 even having kind of lazy design. Because they're like, Grimer and Muck are literally just, just slime <laughs> with yeah. arms. Uh, and then you can't look at Muck and say that it is a better design than Garbodor, who is a pilot. Well... Yes, you can. Yeah, you kind of can. Because he doesn't have a broken trash bag over his face. <laughs> but that's, like, basically the line between and them. I think, because, like, at least Muck has, like, an aesthetically pleasing design. At least in my opinion. Like, Garbodor just looks ugly and stupid. Yeah, he looks like a fruitcake with a garbage bag. Yeah, like, it's just, like... <laughs> Yeah, it's total, total miss. It's because garbage doesn't have a unifying factor. That's the point of garbage. garbage. Yeah. <laughs> there isn't, like, one smooth surface that you can look at and be like, oh, that's garbage. You know garbage by context, and that's it. Right. Out of context, garbage is just anything. It's anything. It's refuse. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, oh, right, okay. So the point of all that is that the design has been hit and miss forever, but it's just so far skewed in the realm of, like, actual good design. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The fact that, like, in Gen 4, we could get, like, a Bastiodon, which is something that I like. I guess I'm going to stop myself short even of that discussion and instead 
focus on the fact that because they have all of these different Pokemon and they can have all the types and they can hit on pretty much any angle they want at any generation at a time because all the generations, even though they have like different settings, are only vaguely themed that way. Like Sun and Moon still gets to have like the desert level even though it's like the Hawaiian place. So you right. can still have Geodudes that make sense within the context and Geodude variants. So they have a freedom to make pretty much any design that they can think of for something that would be cool as a Pokemon, no matter how outlandish it is relative to like the environment that you're in. And even if those designs aren't like crazy and amazing and set the world on fire, they are always going to be something that individual people can latch onto, which right. is all you really need from these Pokemon designs. Yeah. Like, if they keep making things that are like Bastiodon, for me, which is like the cool wall-type Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't, it doesn't have to be the world's favorite, it just has to be a subsection's favorite, and when you have 800 different things that each person can pick and choose from, it's still a success in my book. Yeah. And, yeah, and sometimes you end up with a Dotrio with hair. Yep. Uh, that's... <laughs> so I think, which might override that commentary, actually, because I think Alolan Dugtrio is now everyone's favorite Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They really shot themselves in the foot by making a best Pokemon, finally. Yeah. <laughs> they really closed the book on design with Dugtrio with hair. Yeah. Have you seen the Diglett, by the way? He just has like a three sprout. small hairs. Yeah. It's amazing. I didn't even know about that until I caught one, and I was like, "This is." Up. <laughs> up. He has a special ability, referencing the fact that he has hair. What is it? It like tangles them if they like hit you with a physical. I don't remember what it does exactly, <laughs> but it, it's, it's hair. It's hair. It's hair related. It's hair. The ability. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, and that actually is a big part of it as well. Is the 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 flavoring. The seasoning of the Pokemon design in, like, Pokedex entries and, like, their abilities and what moves they can learn play a lot into, like, the idea of what each Pokemon represents, which is yeah. also like, impressive. Just to speak to, I, I, like, I think a lot of people our age that played the games at their height, like, in the Pokemania days of the late 90s, like... Each ge different generation has a theme, like a loose theme of how like they're all designed. Right. And Gen 1 and Gen 2 kind of had the same theme. Like the Gen 2 Pokemon really just felt like an expansion of the original 150, and they all felt like they went together. Mm -hmm. And I think like older fans are, were used to that. And then they look at like Gen 3 Pokemon or Gen 4 Pokemon and they're different themes, and to them, they don't go with the originals. Right, it doesn't mesh together. Yeah, and, like, because I, I kind of had that uh, reaction, too, like, when I was getting back into the series and with Gen 4, it's, like, all the newer Pokemon just seemed different, right. like, way, way more different, and, like, they didn't go with the originals until, like, I got used to them. Uh, yeah, and, and I know a ton of people have made like content discussing like the idea of actual evolution at play in Pokemon games where they say like a Pidgey lives in a field and like Starly lives in a city and so Starly looks like a pigeon, he's grey. <laughs> like it's better camouflage for him. And that kind of a thing. So I don't want to delve into that, but they do try to integrate with things like added evolution stages. Mm -hmm. Like adding Duskmore to the Dusclops line 
allows him to sort of better integrate into the previous generation than, say, like, a different Pokemon yeah. would. And they feel kind of a little bit a stranger. But that's why they have regional dexes. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, each region has its own selection of Pokemon, and in order to get the ones that would feel most out of place, you have to go back to previous generations to actually get them. I had an idea um, that I, I wrote down in my notes for my cast that I could have hypothetically brought up uh, during the Mega Evolution discussion, but I held myself off at the time. Um, I think one thing that they're going to increasingly have to force themselves to do, unless you guys can give me sort of like a convincing reason why this wouldn't really, really be desirable, is to create more evolution trees and less evolution lines. And I don't mean from the beginning. I mean like adding in more things like Politoed in later games. Right. I mean, I, I don't. I um, see no reason why it couldn't happen. Especially because there's never a situation where you have to make a choice and it's completely permanent. Like if you evolve your Poliwhirl into a Politoed, it's not that you will never get a Polyrath. Right. You've right. just chosen to go that way this time. Yeah. In this iteration of your Poly. Yeah. But the reason why I sort of thought that they're going to be increasingly pushed that direction is because we're still running into situations where they have to like make the flower-looking Pokemon again, <laughs> right? Yeah. And the more times that we get iterations, the less and less space there's going to become between things that they can use to differentiate between things that are of the same general theme, like something that would be in a flowery field. And I feel like the easier solution to that would be making something like either the Alolan versions like they have now, or just like permanent divergences based on region, things like that. Right. Just allow it to sort of fractal out, and it would give them a whole lot more freedom in the long term. Yeah. Like, I, I when we did our uh, original Pokemon uh, cast... Poke Trash. Poke Trash. Yeah. Um, I brought up the idea of, like, what if they continued to make Pokemon games but stopped making new Pokemon? Right. And I believe that we said that that just won't happen, but it's probably more for marketing reasons than yeah. for good games. Because, like, at this point, there's over 800. Yeah. And, like, you, you, I think you could easily get away with never adding anything new. Because there's already so much variety. Yeah, if... Any other game series introduced a few new characters a couple of times mm-hmm. and then just maintained those as characters, no one would bat an eye. But I think that the public outcry from a Pokemon game releasing without new Pokemon would be too severe for them to be able to do it. Yeah. I think that they could easily do that, though, and make a totally solid what if you? What if they did something like Alola Forms? Like, they made new forms of the Pokemon. Or, like, that thing that you sent us, where it's, like, all the different, like, forms of Chikorita. Oh, yeah, that was really cool. Like, like, different, like, variations on Pokemon based on, like, where they are. They're sort of, not necessarily backing into the Alola form thing, but they are... Like they're moving in a direction where every generation they're adding less truly unique Pokemon and more, like different varieties of old Pokemon with mega evolutions and, uh, like, localized forms. Yeah, and and forms became a thing fairly early on. I'm going to say 
at the latest by Gen 4, and mm-hmm. I could be forgetting something in Gen 3. Um, but yeah, starting, because they, they experimented, I guess, a little bit in Gen 3 uh, with things like Spindle, which were uh, Pokemons that had, Pokemons, <laughs> Pokemon that have, like, differing patterns. Um, mm-hmm. Shellos and... Oh, yeah. yeah. And the dumb Lapras. Gastrodon. <laughs> Gastrodon. Yeah, have, have different, uh, uh, like, colorations and stuff, but they don't have any mechanical differences. Yeah. But at the very least, like, uh, Giratina has two forms. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we're going... We're on the, like, multi-generational long-term path when they're slowly changing our expectations to the point where, like getting 10 new Pokemon will be fine. But I don't think we'll ever get a generation where there's literally no completely unique things outside of, like, legendaries, which are pretty much required. Yeah, at this uh, point, the legendaries have to just keep rolling. Right. Uh, I, I feel like they would just th- there'd be no reason for them to ever have one, even though they hypothetically could, where they'd add literally new, literally zero completely unique Pokemon, because they'll just always have an idea for something they'll want to throw in. Yeah, mm-hmm. it just... It almost feels like... I, don't know, I feel like if I was working there, I would almost like feel like it was a joke at like at this point that like we're going to just keep making these forever because the franchise is so successful and we're just gonna end up like drawing a triangle and having that being a Pokemon. <laughs> like you know, like it just feels like an inevitability that they're gonna like hit a wall where they're like, I don't. I, I don't know anymore. I don't yeah. want to make more Pokemon, please. <laughs> <laughs> like, they have Ken Sugimori just, like, tied to a chair. Yeah, you know, like, I feel like if I was him and we hit, like, a thousand Pokemon, I'd be like... Isn't a thousand <laughs> enough? Yeah, like, isn't a thousand... Like, I've made one thousand Pokemon. There's a... <laughs> Can I go to Valhalla now? Yeah. <laughs> like... He, he transcends into Pokemon heaven. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it just it just it it feels like it's like a problem that's going to have to be like addressed at some point. Well, my point is that I think they're addressing it by slowly putting themselves in a position where it's more and more acceptable for them to just make new iterations of old things and yeah. completely new things. Yeah. I agree. And, and at least in the early stages of reception on Gen Seven so far, the Alolan Pokemon seem to be kind of a hit. Yeah, people really really like them. Well, yeah, because it's like actually playing into like evolution. Right. Yeah. Which it just seems to fit. Right. It seems like it would make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I, I think that the, even the legendary thing is fairly safe uh, for them to keep doing because, like, I don't know if you keep up with some of the legendaries they make, they really like channel their. It's like mythic rarity. Yeah. They just change. They channel all of their wildest bullshit. Into the the legendary Pokemon, like Genesect is a crazy thing. It is yeah. very crazy. And, like talk about something that doesn't look like a Pokemon. Yeah, a uh, Gundam with tapes. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like a cassette. Yeah, tapes. what a weird theme. Like right? in Gen Five, they had like several legendaries that were themed around just like childhood toys. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. strange. So weird. Gen. Yeah, and uh, uh, Hoopa. Um, what? Hoopa. Hoopa? Hoopa. The fuck is Hoopa? Hoopa, Hoopa is Hoopa. a genie that is like a... This is a Gen 7 Pokemon. No, this is a Gen 6. What does it look like? Uh, that Hoopa. depends. There are two versions of Hoopa. There's Hoopa, who's like a little, like, sprightly genie-looking thing with these, like, bands on its arm. 
like big, they basically look like giant gold bangles, and like a big doofy head. And then when you give him the something jar or something, <laughs> he becomes Hoopa Unbound, which is this like thirty foot tall behemoth with the ability to banish Pokemon into other dimensions. Hoopa. Oh, okay, I've seen that. Hoopa Unbound. What? The fuck? <laughs> That's what? A live this? reaction to Hoopa Unbound on air. This looks like a Final Fantasy boss. Yes, it does. <laughs> Like and like one of, like, like, like one of the Super <laughs> Nintendo Final Fantasies. <laughs> yes. Like, yep. and it, it evolves from that. Yep. It, it's not an evolution. They're forms. I mean, it, fo- it, it turns <laughs> into that. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jesus Christ. Yep. Terrifying. I mean, it is cool. Right. But yeah, but they just they keep doing insane things with their legendaries. Yeah. And so I feel like they probably have like a hundred weird ideas. They got shot down as regular Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just let them, let them go through with that. And they'll keep backing into a universe where they no longer have the expectation of creating new Pokemon anymore. Yeah. It's sort of, I mean, it's sort of a unique problem they created for themselves. Uh, it's sort of similar to the Black Lotus problem, where like it's like, oh, we can recognize this will be an issue <laughs> if we're the most successful thing in human history. Right. But who cares if that happens? Uh, where... They kept trying to portray all of these Pokemon as things that have individualized personalities that you would, like, grow and care for uniquely together. Right. So they can't have, like, the, oh, this is the other version of that enemy with red skin, like in a Final Fantasy game or something, where you can iterate through, like, just absolutely pithy changes that no one cares about because there are no expectations that the thing that you're changing is, a, like, a really distinct, unique creature that you should love for its own reasons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, you like skeleton with sword? I like skeleton with axe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> skeleton with axe is way better. <laughs> I mean, skelly with axe go way back. Uh, yeah, I just... It's interesting to speculate on, like, how big of a problem that could become and how they would deal with it. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's kind of a good problem to have. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's the best problem to have. It, just, yeah. it almost, to me, like, maybe I just think about it too much or, like, it bothers me more. You're concerned like, when you're 40, Pokemon might get boring? No, it's not that it might get boring. It's just... Like, it just, it almost seems like an inevitability that the series is going to have to change in bigger ways to, like, stay relevant yeah. after a point. And it's just, like, I don't know if they're willing to do that. Yeah. Sun and Moon marks a pretty significant departure for a lot of elements of the game. Mm-hmm. But the base elements of the game that make the game the game are almost completely identical to how they were before. Mm-hmm. Like, Z-Moves are not a significant improvement. They're just a huge time waster. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's... I don't know. What are Z-moves? I've heard of them. You I've little, seen the cutscenes that are hilarious, yes, you but have I don't know. You a bracelet, know. you do a little dance, and like it boosts the like power of the move, the type of move that it correlates with. So it was an excuse for them to make move cutscenes? Is that what this is? Yeah. Okay. I would say so. It, it, it's that, and also, uh, it's just like, I think it was more an excuse for them to get rid of Mega Evolutions okay. in terms of the main story because they were just too strong. Yeah. Uh, like, having a Mega Evolution going into the Elite Four makes them a little bit too easy, I think. Mm-hmm. 
But, I mean, the Z-moves don't really play into the design, no. necessarily. In fact, a lot of them end up being the same. You know, like, how when you do a move in a Pokemon game, yeah. like, a set animation plays no matter what Pokemon it is? Yep. Uh, Z-moves are kind of like that. There are some people who have exclusive Z-moves that only they can do. Yeah, like um, Pikachu, obviously. Yeah, Pikachu Big and surprise. Snorlax, yeah. Has, what is it called? Pulverizing Pancake? Yep. Super good. Waffle Stomper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all of that, like, I guess those sort of play into the design. Like, Snorlax has this personality that he's been given over the years of being this, like... Hangry. Yeah. Like, he doesn't like being... <laughs> say hangry? Yeah. That's what he is. Millennial cast. <laughs> yes. 2016. Wait, that's an actual word? It's like... Okay, it's like actual sl- word in It's quotes. like a slang term. It's like when that. you're... When you're like, angry because you're so hungry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's basically the Snickers commercials where, yes. like, you turn I get into you. Abe Vigo. Yes. I just never heard that referred to as hangry, and I thought yeah, you made yeah. it up. No. And I'm, I'm sorry that you I didn't. did not make that up. Oh, well. <laughs> but, yeah, like, that's exactly what Snorlax is. If you get him, like, if you wake him up, he's going to be really grumpy and eat a bunch before he goes back to sleep. He's going to eat all those vines. Yes. Did he get in a Lola form where he's wearing, like, an enormous Hawaiian shirt? Uh, he should have. <laughs> No, no he didn't. his Z move makes him wake up though, and like do some kind of crazy awesome move. Yeah, he does a front flip. We've all yeah. seen the yes. the best. That's all he move. gets. That's yeah. all he gets. That's good enough. See, they're they're progressing it. He's now gotten up. Like the next step will be that he puts on a shirt. Yeah, okay. and then at Gen eight, he'll put or Gen nine, he'll put on pants. And then Gen ten, Gen he'll 10, go to work. He'll put on some shoes. Oh, I didn't and forget then the a hat. <laughs> and then in Gen 13, he goes back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think... <laughs> also, I, I disagree that it will take until Generation 8 to... Uh, we'll have Pokemon soon. Mun. What? What are you talking the, about? What the, are you doing? the third oh, game s- in stars. these... Stars. Oh, you're going stars? Mm-hmm. That's uh, the rumor. Okay. That that one will have a little in Snorlax with yeah. a huge Hawaiian shirt, and it's rumored to be on the Switch as well. So, oh man, the Switch—that's a rumor. Yeah, okay. It's actually something that we could discuss, not the Nintendo Switch. And I might have to <laughs> legally marry the Switch. Yeah, we did say it. Right? Um, to our Twitter followers who get that, <laughs> so zero people. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine the people who follow us on Twitter probably listen to the show. Probably, they're not probably. so. Like, 18 people. But, uh... <laughs> um, but, yeah, the, the thing that I was going to talk about that wasn't the Nintendo Switch yeah. was Pokemon's existence as a, like, only handheld series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Seems... I want to say it seems strange, but there are other examples of this. Yeah, um... I actually... this I know this was a legitimate interview that I watched where I think it was Miyamoto was quoted as saying Pokemon is a perfect fit for handhelds and like I think they view it as like a we make Pokemon games on the handhelds that's how it's always been that's how it always will be kind of attitude right just cause like it just it it's like a symbiotic relationship like Pokemon exists on the handhelds and the handhelds get sold to play the Pokemon games yeah that's true that's actually more true of, like, that second point is just so, like, blisteringly true. Yeah, it's like, and they know it, and that's why it stayed on handhelds. Yeah. yeah. But 
if our goal is not to make the Nintendo 3DS sell copies and instead to make the best Pokemon game that we can, I would argue that Pokemon was a perfect fit for handhelds like up through the Game Boy Advance. Mm-hmm. It was a perfect fit for handhelds in a world in which physically bringing the device that plays your video game to your friend's house is the easiest way to contact your friend while playing a video game. Right. Which is now hilariously no longer true. Yeah. I've had many a Pokemon battle in Gen 6 over Skype with somebody in Baltimore, Maryland. Right. Like... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, there's not... I'm still holding out for, like, a built-from-the-ground-up, like, full 3D console Pokemon game. Don't worry. They'll get another mystery dungeon out there. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's you can just what play I mystery. Yeah. Just play a mystery dungeon. <laughs> It'll totally... Yeah. Have you played XD Gale of Darkness? I bet that'll be... On the be... GameCube? No, I haven't played XD Gale of Darkness. No. You really don't have the emotional core that I expected you to. Honestly, <laughs> if I didn't have a GameCube, if I would have, I totally would have played that. Played There's game. no question. Yep, that was a time of life where XD Gale of Darkness was... Yes. Very attention-getting title. I wonder if that exists. Uh, can you get GameCube games on the Wii U Virtual Console? No. That's the one console I left out. Ah. Uh, you got... Well, they put Wii games on there. But they skipped the GameCube. No GameCube games. XD Gale of Darkness will vanish into... Another... Time memory? Yeah. Another Nintendo rumor that I heard that has nothing to do with Pokemon. But, uh... <laughs> Good the thing team, Pokemon the team that made, uh, reported and made, uh... Twilight Princess HD is like rumored to be working on Super Mario Sunshine HD and Luigi's Mansion HD. Oh, word. Luigi's Mansion HD. Yeah. Who is calling for that? Uh, there's like a niche audience for Luigi's Mansion. I am. I, I love that game. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It got a sequel on the DS. Yeah. Oh, I know, but I didn't get weirdly, despite <laughs> this statement I just made. Yeah. Uh,. But yeah, but anyway, so yeah. they're on the DS now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not for long, but, but yeah, it, it looks yeah. like the, the Switch might give us like our. Well, it, it it seems like it's going to give us our first console Pokemon yeah. experience. But that's like the biggest technicality ever. Yeah, because but the Switch is just a handheld device that you can plug into a TV. Right. I don't think it's a technicality because it's not like they're going to make like a handheld quality Pokemon game on the yeah. Switch, right? I mean, I think that's if if stars the rumor about stars is true, I think it's just going to be Sun and Moon but on the Switch. I agree. They're not going to like rebuild but, Sun and Moon. Right. Yeah, but if they do another right. one after that, I assume it will be a much shinier, fancier, newer, full 3D Pokemon game right. on the Switch. I was thinking, yeah, with a third iteration on a 7th gen game, they're not going to make... Because it will be a handheld quality game on a console. Right, right. Which seems weird to me, but what are you going to do? But it'll sell, like, hotcakes. Yeah. We're living in the in the realm of, like, indie games. I think consumers... Yeah, you on can get Hyperlight Drifter on your PS4. Right? Yeah, yeah. Now, People like... are okay with that sort of gradation in this day and age. But it's not about the graphical fidelity. It's I about know. the fact that it is just a port of a game for a Yeah, game. I guess, think about... Um, the children. The children. <laughs> no, but um, I don't know <laughs> if you felt this way or if I've talked to you about this or not, but, like, if someone were to ask me, I would tell them to play... Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories on the Game Boy Advance rather than the PS2 version. Yeah. Because when you play the PS2 version, it's like 
this feels weird. And it feels weird because it's a game that was designed for a Game Boy yeah, yeah. on a console. Right. I think there are, either, there are two ways that we can look at this. If we look, if what you think is weird is just that it was, this is not a game for it this feels console. Really, it feels really limited. Right. It, it's, if, if you can like look out and, like, well, I guess, God, this is very confusing. I'm going back and forth on this. <laughs> when I'm playing Pokemon Sun and Moon, which I'm not because I don't own it, but you two do. Right. Do you guys, if you were doing this... Like on your TV, could you like what elements of the game would have been constrained by the existence of the 3DS in the modern sense? Well, I'm gonna acknowledge the the fact that uh, the line between handheld and console is blurring yeah. more and more over time as technology gets better. But the the <laughs> the weirdest thing coming from me that I would miss from a handheld going to a console. If I literally just ported one game to the to the other, uh, is the touchscreen functionality because I don't even like hold the console when I'm playing a Pokemon game. A lot of the time, mm-hmm. I'll do it to move and then put it down and just tap for yeah. the everything else. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I feel strange with some, I. It would need to, at the very least, be upresed to the point where it looks okay on a screen that large. Yeah. Is it? Because like when great. I played Fire Emblem, I played it on the TV you're looking at right now, and like it's the biggest TV I've ever yeah, seen see, in my life. <laughs> I, I just played it on the gamepad, and I felt like that was the, the right. Moment. That's probably what I should have done. Yeah. And I played it on the micro. micro the opposite of what I, you could have put. It looked so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, you could have put two hundred Game Boy Micro screens. <laughs> Together, <laughs> and that would be the size of the. You could make a mosaic <laughs> out of Game Boy Micros to represent how I play Fire Emblem, and but, like it feels very strange. Yeah, I think the thing for me is like I actually prefer console gaming personally, mm-hmm. and so I would like to see the series transition to consoles. That's just always kind of been my wish for yeah. like a while, but um, I think. Playing just Sun and Moon as they are now on the Switch, like on my TV, mm-hmm. it would. The thing that would bother me about it would be like the potential for what this game could be on the Switch <laughs> and, what it, and then what it actually is, which is a handheld game that I'm playing on my TV. I, you're bringing a lot of baggage into that, though. If someone released but, like, Digimon 2016 and it was. A, that existed. A, No, I'm saying, like, the fact that it's... You're going to feel that it's a game that was developed... You're going to feel that it's a port. And when you're playing it, you know that it's a game that was made for the new 3DS. Right. And it's just going to make you think, like, oh, what would a Pokemon game made for this system specifically be like. I know, and what I'm and saying I is that... That's going to bother me the whole time I play it. That's what I meant by baggage, is that you're coming in with the idea of what could a Pokemon game be yeah, on the system, like, not I what f- is this game on this true. system. I just I feel like most people playing would have that thought process. I, I, concede, I, I agree with what Chad said earlier. I think... The lines have blurred to yeah. such an extent and now that price points are allowed to be more variable with sales too that I think people are being surprisingly sort of liberal in how much they're just willing to accept, assuming they don't have the preconceptions. Like, we didn't yell at Hyperlight Drifter because it wasn't 
Dark Souls in terms of fidelity of environments and things that you are be, that you are encountering. Mm-hmm. As long as they make it like an appropriate HD upgrade, like he suggested, and so that it's not literally just ugly. Uh, like I don't, I it's only us wanting it to be something that it's not that w- that could be disappointing about it. I guess. So there are rumors that they're going to make a third Pokemon game in the like Sun and Moon generation mm-hmm. and actually have it on the switch mm-hmm. there are also rumors and by rumors i mean it's following a pattern every five years they release a remake of the previous generation yeah um and so we're looking at remakes of generation four which probably makes all of us feel fairly old i feel very yeah. old yeah yeah because it'll be they're 10 years old seven this year yep it's been 10 years since we got back into pokemon yep yep so that is a thing that could also exist on the Switch. And it could be built from the ground up. Yeah, for, for, the, it, Switch. for the Switch. God, See, wouldn't that be weird? If yeah, the first full 3D Pokemon dude, game is di- a remake of Diamond? Well, dude, rem- wouldn't think it about make, the antimatter dimension in full it, HD. Wouldn't it make more sense, or don't you think it would be more likely, is if they did that with the original games? Like remade, they they could remade up. red and blue yeah. from the ground up on the switch with no bag limit. With no bag limit. <laughs> yeah, it's everything I've ever wanted. Because like with the success of Pokemon Go, like Gen One is like in the public conscious. It's in vogue. It's in vogue. It's yeah, a good way to put it. Like I could totally see them remaking Gen One again. I completely yeah, I completely agree. You framed it that way. They would never. Like blow their load of first 3D Pokemon game with Diamond on, and Pearl. Yeah, <laughs> the best ones. Well, yeah, I kind of agree. <laughs> I like Gen Four the best as well, but God, I feel like if that comparatively more likely thing happens, I would just be in the back, like sweating profusely, hoping that I, there is a soon an announcement for a remake of like Silver, in that same fashion. Yeah, they they've kind of like they almost kind of like screwed themselves over in the sense that like they started remaking them so early because like now yeah if they make one of them in like full 3d on a console like people are going to want to see all the others like that too right yeah or at least i mean and they've already remade most of them (laughs) yeah people are gonna either want that or those same people would probably be okay with just having new games going forward in that style true um, Once one game gets the special treatment, yeah, yeah, they're gonna want it to continue. Yeah, but that brings me to the meat of what I wanted to talk about, which is they remake these games and they do it a lot. Yeah, yep. and so it, it's it's strange because like this the remake culture or remake design mm-hmm. this is just become a thing in modern games, but I I feel like it didn't really start until. Uh, like the PS3 current generation, a, a little bit on the previous generation, because mm-hmm. things were like in HD now, so everything got like an HD yeah. remake. Yeah, I don't think I don't think even though this generation, like the Xbox One generation, is absolutely defined by its remakes, yeah. I don't think that's you can make an argument that it started there. It absolutely started in the 360 era, long right. before we knew about the existence of either of those consoles or designs. Yeah. It's just, in Pokemon's case, it was unique because they had to bring with them, like, the literal baggage of the old Pokemon in order to keep 
people's like friendships yeah. alive, so that's, to speak. That's yeah. the interesting thing is because yeah, when it started, they remade Gen One because in Gen Three you couldn't complete the Pokedex right with yeah just the base games right. But the onus of we need them to be able to complete yeah. the Pokedex is because people like fucking cared about Pidgeot and you right. need to have a Pidgeot there. They could have been hypothetically like any other series where it's just like, nope, everything's new. Every single right. thing. Not a single old Pokemon in the site. And people would you don't care about Pidgeot? I'm saying people would flip shit if their favorite thing wasn't available because they spent all this time like personifying and selling their game on the idea that you have a special personal connection with these creatures. Right. So they can't leave them in behind anymore. <laughs> so they had to remake a Game Boy game for the Game Boy Advance. Right. Yeah, and then the Gen 2 games got remakes because of the internal battery thing and most people's cartridges didn't work anymore. So you yeah. can play a legal copy of, of yes. Golden Silver. Yeah. And so, but then after that... They have an expectation now. Yeah, now there's an expectation. There's no... You can still go play Ruby and Sapphire just fine. Yeah. But I did, like, in fact, like the before I even yeah. played Gen 4. And you can transfer out. a Pokemon from the original Ruby and Sapphire all the way up to the, to the new Ruby to and Sapphire. Yeah. <laughs> you actually can't get them to Sun and Moon yet. Oh, well, you will. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's no need to remake that one, but now everybody wants it. And yeah. they did. And they did, so they made it. Yeah. And I, for my money, is the best Pokemon game that exists. Why? Why? I've actually never heard you like be just wax love about uh, the... The Mega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's just because of... It does everything that I want a third game to do. And as we know, X and Y didn't have a third game. Mm -hmm. So Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire sort of filled in for that. In that it pulled in so much stuff from the previous games. Uh, not just Ruby and Sapphire, but also all of the previous games in the series generally in terms of, like, making legendary Pokemon available to you, making, like, just different Pokemon available to you, introduced things like the Swarm system and an ability to control it, which was important. Um, you got roaming, Pokemon, roaming legendaries, stationary legendaries, which I like hunting legendaries. It's just one of the things I enjoy doing in these games. Mm -hmm. Breeding is incredibly easy. Uh, they that's just a Gen 6 feature, generally. Um, they enhance the Destiny Knot so that it passes down IVs now. Um, You're describing right now a lot of quality of life features, which I assume is equally transferable to all games, including an After Omega. All games, including Gen 6. And I like Gen 6 the best. Oh, so this is not specific to... But Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, I think, just contained the most good stuff, generally. And okay. it's... Just Ruby and Sapphire were just better than X and Y were. Yeah. So <laughs> having them remade just makes for a better game. Yeah, the game's plot reads a lot better. Um, they introduced the Delta episode, which Ooh. was cool. Also the Eon Flute. Also the Eon Flute? Oh my idea. god. Soaring is an amazing function. I'm so glad they made it like a real thing in Sun and Moon. Yep. Uh, and the only reason Sun and I don't currently think Sun and Moon are better are because I don't like to brush my Pokemon after every battle. You don't have to do that. But it makes it... It's mechanically better to... <laughs> I know, it's like... MMO problem. Yeah, it's mechanically better for me to rub medicine on a Pokemon's face for ten seconds than use, like, a, a paralyzed heal. Yeah. So, I like, I don't but have like, to use But, like, how often does your Pokemon get paralyzed? I've been only eight times already. Yeah, yeah see, like, I... 
almost never do that yeah. unless I just feel like it. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll do it this time. I was actually a little worried <laughs> when you started... I'll growl it this time. <laughs> when you were describing this, that, like, the fact that you guys haven't gotten all the way through Sun and Moon might be part of the reason why you haven't seen all of the, like, quality of life convenience stuff. Yeah. You're not out of, like, the hand-holdy section of the game yet. But that's the thing, is I think it's the whole game. Yeah, we, we were making that commentary earlier. It, it seems like the story is very... Intrusive. Heavy. Yeah. Uh, like, X and Y was like that, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I'm holding judgment on it until... The end. Yeah. Yeah, until I'm into the late game stuff. Um, because they did also introduce hyper-training, which is, like, you can... <laughs> do you jump between trains as they're moving? <laughs> is that what you do? <laughs> you do an action movie motorcycle stunt where you jump between two trains. Uh, no, um... <laughs> Hyper-training, I don't actually know because I didn't spoil myself on the game. Mm-hmm. I just know it exists and has something to do with IVs, which is insanity if you can just, like, train IVs now. Does that Deja Vu song play while you're going through it? I'm now lost. Oh, you have to, like, you have to, like, I don't know the full name of the song, but it's the thing where people with trains drift, and there's, like, now a song on the internet that you play when things drift. No, I, never mind. This is news <laughs> never to me. Mind. <laughs> Continue with the podcast. I don't, I'll show you guys later weird videos about drifting. Cool. Um, so, yeah, that's why I like Omega Ruby episode. <laughs> I think. Cool. Yeah. Also, I like water. Uh, End like, of cast. Hard <laughs> slam. <laughs> we just cut off at that point. It, Sun and Moon also have lots of water, though. This is true. They do have lots of water. Eh, but because it's a... Like, you're not... You never... Well, as far as I know, you don't, like, surf between islands. But the thing with uh, Gen 3 is that there is surfing, but there's also diving. Mm-hmm. You can go underwater. Mm-hmm. And we know how much I like underwater things. Right. Lots of cool, like, scary fish Pokemon. Like, Relicanth. Was a Gen 3? God, mm-hmm. terrifying Relicanth. I know, right? It just makes me quake in my timbers. Shiver me timbers? Is that what you're <laughs> no, going for? No, my timbers are shaking out of fear. You're I'm shaking so much that, that the chair that I shake on is shaking the floor. Your butter Which shakes timbers. the walls, which are composed of timbers, which oh. also shake. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, what the fuck were we doing? Oh, so they remake games a lot. Yeah, do. Yes. Is that just discuss- is that discussion just over now? <laughs> it's just kind of, I guess. It's yeah, just, I mean, do you expect it to keep going on? That's the question. Is like I think because they did the Gen Three remakes, that means yes, it will. Yeah, yeah, they have like planted their flag now with the Gen Three remakes that this is just happening. But we don't know what they're going to do to meet the expectation in the Switch world. It could exist in the alternate universe that Gens 1, 2, and 3, and 4, and 5 take place in. What? Gen 6 takes place in a different universe where there was like a, a war... And mega evolutions exist in that generation. So that's that's what they had to do in order to yes. split off. They felt the need to justify mega evolutions so existing hard. in the new games <laughs> by saying that they exist in a different universe where they exist, and that's why they're not in the old games. Yep, it's fucking retarded. The end. Moment of silence for lore. <laughs> For lore as a concept, <laughs> destroyed by Pokemon's Delta episode. Yeah, it's yeah. 
<laughs> but yeah, it's like, and they've also like set themselves up to like, where do they stop? Because like n- now, yeah, like you were in the situation where they remade Gen One on the GBA, and now that seems outdated. And it's like, do we remake it again? If we remake it again, let's do Heart Gold Soul Silver oh too. Because that's on the DS. Let's remake it again. Omega Heart Gold in <laughs> Alpha Soul Silver. Soul Silver, yeah. I think they can they can easily play off the past with remaking Gen One as many times as they wanted to yeah. as the catalyst of cultural craziness. But that's the purpose of my comment before is how sad that'll make me because I'll never get the Infinite Gen Two remakes that I would always want. <laughs> exactly. And I want Infinite Gen and that's 4 the thing. Remakes. Is it like yeah? <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah, it's like they have different like subdivisions of the fans that love each game. Yeah. Dude, you know what this is? This is an infinite bar graph where over time the graph is moving from the bottom and it extends infinitely to the left. Yeah. So more games will keep coming up in other alternate dimension timelines. Right. As they, more. Well, you're even making it more confusing than it needs to be. It's just what happens is it's like a like a sine wave, but like with varying frequency. So I'm making it more complicated. Now. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) Basically, what's going to happen is we end up with so many games being remade that, like, once every ten years a new Pokemon game comes out, and in between that, the previous nine get remade, (laughs) and then in between those getting made, the like the previous eight to get made in like their third remake, and then the fourth remake, the fifth remake, and then. At the tenth year, they release the new game, and then the Gen One game that's like <laughs> <laughs> using the newest technology. Yep. Like you can only play it in a space shuttle. Yeah, we're gonna have to get a remake of Gen One again for AR, like, right. create, which will create the B- fourth B-R. split B-R. timeline. Right. No, no, AR, <laughs> AR, actual reality. Actual reality. <laughs> they will, they will eventually remake Gen One by releasing Real genetically life. engineered Pokemon into the world. <laughs> Poke Jurassic Park will come to exist. Oh Jesus! Okay, here's my actual proposed solution to this. Okay. <laughs> to, so the, like, to what I'm going to officially copyright as the Pokemon regress problem. Yes. Yeah. Is if they actually, like, make full 3D Pokemon games, like, built specifically for the Switch, they should take that engine and that art style and remake all of them. Do, like, Kingdom Hearts. Oh, jeez. And... Also uh, release Pokemon 2.8 Final Mix. <laughs> yes, <laughs> correct. And yeah, just remake them all. Right. Pokemon Legacy. Yeah, and Pokemon is- Armageddon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Pokemon Armageddon. Tired of these remakes. <laughs> 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 Uh, I refuse to begin complaining until after the Gen 4 remakes come out. <laughs> okay. I just, I'll hold you to that. That seems like the best course of action. Yeah. <sighs> Hard, but best. I mean, it would be really time-consuming, but if it all used the same engine and art assets, uh, it wouldn't be that bad. Yeah. Could be worse, I guess. Yeah, because they just need to, like, 
do all like the more basic programming. They don't have to design or write anything. Just fucking chunk it all out. Yes. Sure in that. So show. just like the Kingdom Hearts remakes. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay. So I think that our last attempt at the Pokemon episode, mm-hmm. uh, just a little over a year ago at this point, yeah, um, ended on kind of a sad note. Did because we discussed. The idea of Pokemon never changing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much of that, because we've talked about it a little bit. Yeah. It's kind of a big deal in terms of like the Pokemon franchise as a whole, in that they never make significant changes to that. And that's kind of what we were discussing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not sure how much of this we need to go into. The, the core design is always, has always been there, which yeah. is why I, we're able to have, have the freedom to just discuss like tiny iterative changes through the whole series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I feel I was like super, uh, maybe the biggest downer on it. Yeah. When we did talked about it before. And I'm significantly more optimistic about the future of Pokemon now. Like, my worries and fears are not completely gone or anything. But, like, the fact that they've actually made an effort to, like, switch up the formula in Sun and Moon has, like, made me think that they're willing to make bigger changes than I would have guessed that they would. And, as previously discussed, with the advent of the Switch, Pokemon's going to lose its handheld safe space. Right. It's going to lack the excuse in the very near future. Yeah, it seems like with the success of Pokemon Go and actually, like, making some kind of change to the formula in Sun and Moon, like, they're, I think they're becoming more comfortable with the idea of changing Pokemon, whereas it seemed like before, like, they'd rather kill themselves (laughs) than change the formula. (laughs) Yeah. And I agree with that. And I was not very pessimistic, but I think that in the year's time, I finally found some point of comparison to actually, like, rationalize why I'm not super concerned by it, Mm. and that is, uh, God, I forget even what conversation we were having at the time, but I remember we were talking about World of Warcraft. I think that Pokemon and World of Warcraft, to me, have a very similar relationship, in that, while I don't pay for a WoW subscription, like, a lot of people don't pay for a WoW subscription and just play when new content releases, mm-hmm. it's exactly the same way with me and Pokemon, is I will devote a lot of time to Pokemon when a new one comes out, but then there's, a, like, a down period where I won't even think about it for a long time, Yeah, and I think I'm okay with that. Like, I think that the improvements that they make make me keep returning to a game that I still enjoy, but because I'm not constantly playing the game, I'm not upset about the fact that it isn't making, like, huge strides. I I think that makes sense, given that you're a more mechanics-driven gamer. But, like, for me, like, I really want to see Pokemon do something new, like in the areas that, like, I care more about, right. which they have not done at all. Because yeah, even if you're, like, a mechanics guy, we're not just talking about mechanics broadly construed. We're talking about the minutia of mechanics. We're talking about things that, like, make it more... It make it easier for your Pokemon to have higher IVs. 
things that are like subsets of subsets of subsets. Right. It's not like... And those are the things that tickle my fancies. Right. Right. By the standard that we normally judge other games, even if they made a Pokemon game where you, like, you had five moves all of a sudden, it would not... It would be a huge change for Pokemon... And, like, a completely insignificant change by the standard of, like, any other potential RPG. Yeah, my brain melted a little bit, then trickled out of my nose. And then I realized, <laughs> like, how little of a difference that makes in any other context. Right, right. So, even if when we're talking about, like, it's okay to have tiny iterative, iterative differences, you have to be so into the games for those iterations to matter enough for you to spend the money and the time to go through the games again. Mm -hmm. Or for a lot of the, like, Gen 1-er people that we've been sort of making fun of on, <laughs> on the side through the course of the podcast, a lot of their complaints is that they didn't get even 10% as far into the mechanics as they as they would have need to in order to care about stuff like that. So it's just another journey going through another set of like Pokemon battle challenges with the same mechanics. And because of the need to keep the same Pokemon kind of around to keep the people who love them happy, right. meaning also there's also relatively the same environments that you're going through or the same analogs where you're still running into a town with a rat and a bird outside of it and you catch one and then you go through and maybe there's a slow chance of like a Luxray or something sort of derivative after that. But it's the... Broad, the broadest strokes have not changed yet, and that's what got a lot of people complaining, and I think is a lot of the market where Go is coming from. Yes. Yeah. I think, well, I mean, that and, uh, okay, I guess the people who are still playing Go yeah. are exactly that. There are people who have a strong connection to the original games from their childhood. Right. And they're still playing because they liked the, the character elements of it. Right. And Go is actually a different mechanics set. Yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, they, and, I mean, I want to say that I wouldn't expect people who engaged with Go to be the type of people who would play Sun and Moon, but as previously discussed... It's yep. not true at all. It is the highest selling, yeah. pre-selling Nintendo game of all time. Because the so. people who played Go are definitely the people who played Blue and Red. Right. Which means, and, the, and even discussing all these differences between generations, the gaps between Blue and Red and Sun and Moon from like really broad mechanical standpoints, like if you just like set up the bullet points on a design spreadsheet, not that far. No. Not barely far at yeah, all. In yeah, in like 25 years. Right. 20 years. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, unlike last cast, we can tell the needle is moving. Yeah, and that's really encouraging. Because yeah. I think it will move slowly, but I think it's going to continue to move. And I mean, that's just speculation, mm. but I kind of feel like... It feels like they're kind of priming the audience to be, like, ready for a change. Yep. That's exactly how I describe it. I bet in 15 to 20 years, we get a Pokemon game with less than 20 completely new Pokemon that is beautiful and 3D. Here's open. This is Andy Kinnick signing up. Welcome back to the Pokemon Podcast. Uh, it's been about two weeks since we recorded 
uh, what you've already heard. So episodes one and then that last hour of your life that we just took up. <laughs> uh, and since that time, uh, Andy and I have completed Pokemon Sun and Moon. So uh, we're going to talk about that for a little while and use it as the second half. And so I guess it should be noted at this point that we are going to spoil things in Pokemon Sun and Moon, so don't listen if you are sensitive to that. Oh man, even the fact that you needed to give that as a disclaimer, see, just interesting things about what I'm about to learn about Pokemon Sun and Moon. <laughs> uh, I, I want to say that Sun and Moon has at least uh, the most interesting approach to storytelling in, in yeah. the series so far. Yeah. Pro- yeah, definitely the best approach to storytelling in the recent games, yeah. I think. Also, our, our discussion of the other generations was generally cursory enough that, like, we didn't necessarily give away much in terms of, like, plot. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. There are things about Sun and Moon that people still don't know. And right. so, like, if we talk about things and you happen to not know about it, like... Right. And it's It'd a new game, and a lot of people like to go into games with no knowledge of them, so... Mm-hmm. This is quite a good one, I think. Uh, so, I don't know, what your, what are your like overall thoughts on the game, as a, like now that you've completed it, in comparison to the others? Um, well, as we... Anybody who listened to the first half knows, I came off kind of negative, mm. my first impressions. Uh, and I had to say that the game ended up getting a lot better for me. So they ended up being pretty positive. Yeah, I think Sun and Moon's probably the best game since Ruby Sapphire, in my opinion. Yeah, so I mean that puts it in like the the top top tier. The top tier for probably going in. Yeah. Yeah. I have to like I agree, especially in terms of the way that uh the main like plot and and your progression through the main story sort of plays out. I'm starting to get into the endgame stuff, and albeit right now we don't have Pokemon Bank, so like I don't have right. all of the conveniences allotted to me from the previous generation, mm-hmm. but so far it seems like there are a few things that are making like breeding a little bit more tedious than it was in the last generation, Right. but I also haven't gotten into hyper-training, which could be like a whole... <laughs> Save it's like saving grace. Timestamp yeah. three minute thirty seconds. Already talking about <laughs> hyper training. Well, I have to because <laughs> this is like, but literally everything else about this game, I think, is is better than all previous games, pretty much. Now I except yeah, the beginning, right? Which yeah, bad. I feel the same way. Like the thing that's keeping me from getting into like the meta game is the no Pokemon bank right mm-hmm. now. So I basically just I beat it and I've put it down until like January when that update comes out. Yeah, I'm just trying to fill out my LOL index right now. Also, I meant to say best game since Diamond and Pearl. Oh, now, yeah. I like it as much as Ruby and Sapphire. Okay. Is what I meant to say. Yeah. So, this game starts out with quite a long time where you are just sort of being shepherded around the island. So, like, you leave your house like you do in every other game. And meet the professor, like you do in every other game. Is the professor, like, somehow sexy and surf-related? Yeah, he's a, <laughs> like, a shirtless, ripped guy. Uh, good, good. Yep. Okay. He wears a lab coat, but no shirt. <laughs> yeah. 
They, and they make jokes about it, like, through the whole game. Like, when you arrive on the second island, the, one of the trial captains who happens to know the professor shows up and is like, still haven't, fa- still haven't found a shirt to match that lab coat, have you? <laughs> and <I'm> like, <laughs> What's the deal with him being a luchador? Uh, I don't know. Or why he wants to keep it a secret from people. Yeah. It's like a joke that he's, like, secretly a luchador, but, like, everyone knows that it's him, and he doesn't realize that. It actually seems to be implied that most people don't know it's him. Oh, really? It's like, you see it immediately, the the guy who used to be the electric trial captain sees it immediately, and his wife realizes it when she oh, finds the, the mask. Yeah. But everyone else is just like oblivious to this. Okay, fact. fine. So yeah, really weird. And it yeah. doesn't go he, all anywhere. he does is take off the lab coat and put on a Luchador <laughs> mask. Like <laughs> Is this an example of the kind of stuff the game shepherds you to? Um no okay. Well kind so of So the way it works <laughs> is it opens up with more of a to do because they have like better cutscene technology and stuff. Yeah. So it's much fancier opening, and I liked that initially. I was like, okay, it's cool. Way to start the game. Show everything off. But then it doesn't stop. Like, it's it's like, okay, you got your Pokemon. Now go to the trainer school. They make you do the trainer school. Oh, no. Well, it, it's not as bad as it was. It's not as bad as it sounds. Okay. Yeah. But it's still bad. Yeah, it's just a series of And battles, then they're like, so. go to the first town. And then you go to the first town with Lily and Hal, who are your friends. Yeah. And um, basically and then the you go there, and system. you're basically like taken around the town by the hand and told what everything is. And then it's like, okay, now go to the route and catch some Pokemans. And, and then, then it takes like, you there. Yes, I can finally play the game. But <laughs> you get there, and Lily's there, and she tells you stuff. And then you walk down the route to the town, and then you get to the town, and then Lily and Howard are there, and they tell you to do stuff. And it, like, it holds your hand for like the whole... like first chunk of the game and it really took the wind out of my sails and the stuff yeah. that they're telling you to do is like mechanical things like yeah. use this paralyzed heal on you this paralyzed thing not they actually because they give you uh, there's a it, this is trainer school stuff yeah when they do that is they'll be like here's a paralyzed heal and then they put you into a battle where a guy will use thunder wave on you yeah, yeah, yeah. but like the game also has a mechanic where after a battle you can just like rub medicine onto your Pokemon's oh, yeah. face I've until their paralysis goes away. So That's really convenient. Yeah, it is super convenient, but also it makes the whole lesson about paralyzed heals unnecessary. Yeah. I was just wondering the degree to which all of these interactions that you're encountering are like explicit tutorials or whether some of them are just like the same here's your friends learn about your friends in the environment that a lot of the like past two or three gens of Pokemon I, have had. I think they're trying to like, blur the line between those two things, mm. but they don't do it that well. Yeah, I would say it's about a 75-25 split where the majority of what you're being shown is stu- is explicit tutorial stuff and things that you already know if you've played other Pokemon games. Right, yeah, I don't think it will bother children right. playing the game. They'll be like, oh, this is fun. But, like, to, like, anyone who is, like, I would say, like, 10 or older would probably be annoyed. Yeah. And then I, I don't even want to say like say twenty five. I'd say like twenty percent is just them attempting to uh, 
like personify all of the people that you're going to be mm-hmm. like dealing with, and then the other five percent is actual useful information. Yep, it's like it's like they felt the need mechanics. to tutorialize things for some reason, even though they never used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so self-explanatory. Yeah, that it's they felt the need to do it, and then that the angle they took is like trying to do like you and your buddies are learning these things together. Yeah, on your journey, and it just doesn't work that well. I can see why they might pick roughly now t- uh, to finally choose to sort of have a re-tutorialized introduction to the existence of the Pokemon games from like a managerial perspective, not a design perspective. Right. Because we're getting to the point right now where we're... Like, uh, technically speaking, there's always a new generation of people coming into playing Pokemon, but sales and like interest curves from the younger generation for Pokemon is, uh, as my understanding, been generally going down over time, right? I think so. Like, a lot of kids have probably played a Pokemon game, but I don't think nearly as many are like in like fans of the series. Right, right, right. Yeah. And but now we've got Go drawing attention to everything and all the additional sales from this game, and they can try and make it colorful and bright, right. and try and make this the one that sort of reinvites people again. In contrast to a lot of the complexities that got layered on top of each other in the older games. Yeah, they're definitely going for that angle, I would think. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, while it makes sense that it's pretty tutorialized, I think that a lot of more modern games tend to generally confine the tutorial to, like, a pretty short period of time. Mm-hmm. Like, we recently talked about Fire Emblem, which does the opposite and stretches the tutorial for as long as you can. But that game is, like, incredibly complex, and Pokemon is about as simple as simple gets in terms of, like, the mechanical things you need to know. Mm-hmm. It's a game that's about exploring and about learning. And rather than let you do it organically, they try and, like, force it to you at the beginning. And yeah. need to know is important there. Because there's right. lots of mechanical complexity in Pokemon you don't need to know at all. Right. Yeah. Like, I even would have been okay with it if they did the big opening and made me do the trainer school and then the game cut me loose. Mm-hmm. But, like, it, it's the fact that it goes on for as long as it does. We're being pretty negative right now because it does pick up. Yes, definitely yeah. picks up. Yeah, I was actually, like... I wasn't, like, super disappointed, but, like, the opening rubbed me the wrong way to where I was worried I wasn't going to like it. Yeah, but uh, definitely, I'd say, like, about halfway through the second island, it, like, picks up. Yeah. So, one of the biggest things that... Uh, it drew a lot of attention to this game when it was being, like, the big Nintendo release process of somebody, like, slowly giving you, like, way more information than you actually needed before the game comes out. One of the big things that people were talking about was the fact this game does not have gyms. Yeah. Uh, it has uh, trials. And I really enjoyed these. Like, I think that they are, like, generally a better alternative to the gym system, but I feel like they probably didn't go far enough with them. I agree. Yeah. I, I, I think they tried to do something that Pokemon does in a lot of its other games, where they use the very limited mechanics that the game has and try and make, like, a variant of, of the gameplay, but it doesn't really... Because most of them just come down to battling. They all come down to just battling anyway. So the one that comes to mind is that in Pokemon, really all you can do is sort of like walk, 
ride Pokemon and pick things up when you're not in battle. And so that basically makes up the mechanic set of every trial. And so, like, the grass trial. You walk, you pick things up, and sometimes you fight a Pokemon. <laughs> and that's, like, the whole thing. Yeah, I can't even remember what the grass trial was. You had to, like, collect ingredients, and then you... Oh, made you had a to use Stoutland to get the... Yeah, to search out things. Yeah. Is there anything that significantly differentiates the trials from just, like, overworld exploration? Uh, they're in a, like, confined area. <laughs> Yeah, it feels a little bit more like a like a dungeon, right? Kind of a setup. Yeah, if you imagine like a time in a, po- in, a in a different Pokemon game mm-hmm. where you're in a cave and your end goal is to like fight a trainer in the cave or like find a particular item, that is the general idea of most of the trials. It's like fight wild Pokemon. You can't catch them during trials. So, fight wild Pokemon, get to the last Pokemon, then you fight a totem Pokemon. Honestly, as a sales pitch, that sounds pretty great to me. The idea of, like, expanding the mechanic set that you're using from the gyms, from just being, like, narrowed down exclusively to a series of battles, to instead being sort of representative, like you said, of a dungeon. Yeah. Like, the, the idea of a Pokemon dungeon sounds good to me in the same way that it probably sounded good to someone who said, oh man, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, I'll try this. <laughs> yeah. And then try other mechanics were different. But Right. But like like Chad opened up with saying, is that they don't take it far enough. They're generally pretty short and small areas. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like a dungeon. Yeah. It's like a, a mini light dungeon. Yeah, because like, in actuality, Pokemon gyms in later generations, and I feel like during our original podcast, nor during this discussion, have we given enough credit to them. The gyms are sort of they're dungeon esque, they're dungeon adjacent. They have puzzles, yeah, but they are just a series of battles, and most of the times the puzzles are fairly easy. It's because they kept trying to figure out a way to avoid making it the incredibly boring sort of, like, visual things that you did, like, in the very first Pokemon gyms. Like, if you think to Brock's gym, the first gym that you ever hit, it's literally three people crisscrossing a line and then Brock, right? Maybe right. even, like, two people. I might, be, I might be giving them too many people. I actually think there's only one trainer in, in Brock's Brock. gym. Yeah. In Brock's gym. <laughs> but it, okay, but even though that's the case, <laughs> all of the gyms are just, like, sometimes sort of circular paths that you have to go through with just people in a line in your way that, that then you're just being fed into those people. Mm. You could, without, if you removed, like, the steps, you would, well, the point of phrase this would be, you're just sort of being forced along a line into the paths of trainers. They could have just as easily, uh, if need be, just, like, thrown a series of trainers in front of you all in a row and never left even the combat screen. And they kept, through the later games, having to try and make that cooler by making the path that you take to get to the gyms either just being like visual legitimately good eye candy or trying to put like actual puzzles and something to do outside of fighting the trainers in between them to make those walking segments between trainers interesting yeah and now they've the day they've just gone oh we have an entire set of mechanics built into this game that is that thing that we're looking for. Let's try and apply it to the gyms. Mm. And yeah, I don't disagree that it's a bad idea. Like, it's preferable, in my opinion. because Especially because... And, alright, I'm just gonna, like, run through all three of these thoughts really quick. Yeah. Um, 
first in the first generation they did have puzzle gyms. They did exist. They're things like um Lieutenant Surge's gym, but that was just Whoa. like <laughs> picking garbage cans, which is like a really awful version of a puzzle. Yeah. Uh, cuz it wasn't a puzzle, it was just random chance. Yes. Um <laughs> two in most of the like modern Pokémon gyms, it the reward for solving a puzzle See, it was always to, like, go around one of the trainers so that you would end up getting to the leader faster. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you guys have the same experience, but I just would backtrack and fight the trainer anyway. Yeah, it wasn't a reward for me to avoid fighting right, yeah. people. When I was right. younger, I liked to avoid the trainers, but... That makes sense. Yeah. But, like, it represents, like, some of the highest XP gains. Yeah. So you can get your Pokemon swole. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you gotta get them gains. Uh, like, in the game. And then, I already forget what the third point was, but I like the Trials. That's basically what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I feel like a version, like, of the Trials that had more of, like, some kind of the puzzles that they implement. Like, one of my favorite pieces of, like, extra content they've ever put in a Pokemon game was the Trick Master. In Ruby mm. and Sapphire. Like, if there was, like, a trial that was something like that, where, like, the, what are they called, the captains? Yeah. Like, had, like, a series of, like, tricks and, like, pu- little puzzles that you had to solve to get to the end. That, that could be cool. Well, or, like, something like those kind of ice puzzles that they've done, like, yeah. where you have to, like, walk on all the tiles. That's, like, that through. is, like, a, a Pokemon old hat thing at this point. Yeah. Like, the ice puzzle has been in every Pokemon game in but, some form or another. And right. it's, like, a classic kind of video game. Like oh, yeah, because it's also been in Zelda games. It's yes. been in, like, Banjo-Kazooie. There are tons of games that have these yeah. same ice so, puzzles. Like, if, if they try to, like, implement... Like, some thing, like, maybe not all of them like that, but, like, a couple of them, like, a difference in kind kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like that would have gone a long way. Well, there were a f- I'm actually curious as to, like, what your favorite uh, trials were, because my two favorites by a pretty wide margin um, were the ghost type mm. uh, trial was my absolute favorite, during which you actually take photos of ghost... It's basically, it's... Uh, <laughs> Fatal Frame, yeah, but in Pokemon because they introduced the Poke Finder, um, which is just Pokemon Snap, sort of, but like a real garbagey version of it, where you like you use the gyroscope to like look around with the 3DS and mm-hmm. take pictures of of one specific Pokemon, and then evidently like upload it to Instagram where a bunch of people give it thumbs up, <laughs> which is strange. But uh, <laughs> so that happens, but. Um, they just made it so that you could take pictures in this, like, old abandoned shopping center, and you would take pictures of ghost types, and then you end up in this room at the end, and the totem Pokemon is, I don't know if you've seen Mimikyu, um, is one of these, and it's like, you're in this room with all of these, like, Pikachu photos on the wall, and, like, It's like it's drawn in crayon. Yeah, Yeah, like, it's a child. And then when you, because you start looking at the wall... And when you make the full 360 of the room and then look down, the Mimikyu is just there. Ooh. And, like, it was, like, uh, like we say spooka moderate. It was a little bit spooky. <laughs> yeah, it was actually a really cool moment. Mm-hmm. And then the other one that I really liked was the um, the electric type, where it was oh. all black and you had to listen to the sound and identify what the sound was. Mm-hmm. That was cool. That was a cool one. And um, I liked... The fire, or was it, yeah, fire type With the, uh, the Marowak? Yeah, where you had to do, like, the what's different between these pictures. 
I mean, it was a little silly. Like, yeah. it, it wasn't hard, but it was funny. It but was I, legitimately funny, and that's why I liked it. Yeah, that actually leads me into... Uh, <laughs> like, the final picture where the totem Pokemon is in it, yeah. it looked like somebody, like, drew that in in, like, MS Paint. <laughs> like, it was, like, a really <laughs> shitty-looking version of it, which made it, like, extra funny. Because, like, the, it sets you up... <laughs> The, this joke is so well executed, so I feel like I need to describe it to yeah, JJ here. I always describe jokes. Yeah. yeah, it is like the first one. It's it's basically they tell you okay, to memorize so the fire, a dance. Yeah, it's, it's a fire type trial. Yeah, mm-hmm. the Alolan Marowak is part fire type, right? I've seen I've seen all yeah. the Alolans. Yeah, yeah he's like it, a fi- I forget, is he fire like ghost ghost or something? Yeah, I don't it's know. Crazy. Yeah. But uh, they have the bones that are on fire on both sides, and they're spinning them like they're fire dancing and mm-hmm. shit. Yeah. And the the captain is like, you have to like watch their dance, and um, answer a question about it. Mm-hmm. And okay, now. Yeah. Well, yeah. He he asked you to to. Yeah, and so basically what it is is at the end they show a freeze frame, and it says like which of these is different, and so you look at it and you're like they're pretty similar, but like this Marowak, the middle Marowak has like is in a different stance. Yeah. Like he's looking different. Yeah, like, they ended in a pose. Then they show you a photograph, and you had to re- recognize what's different in the photograph from what the pose was. Right. Okay. So, then you get to the second one, and you're watching the dance closely because you're like, "All right, I gotta like, you know, like you're prepared to try and solve this puzzle." Right. And then it shows the photograph, and there's just a hiker in it, like <laughs> smiling and waving at you. It's like, what's different? <laughs> And you're like, it's like the weirdest Adora the Explorer episode ever, where you're like, how about the dude? And then, and it even gives you like some sarcastic answers to give. <laughs> yeah, like the whole puzzle element of that one is literally just for comedy purposes. Like they only have it there to tell a joke. And then yeah, the final one. It's just like the totem Pokemon. It's just like in the background, like jumping up, like <laughs> like really goofy looking. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Which leads me into the next big like thing about this game that I think is really different than other games in the series is that this game has a sense of humor in a way that no other Pokemon game that I've played has. Like. A lot of the game is designed to make you laugh. Like, there are jokes. And not only that, but it's a, it's like a very modern sense of humor. To the point where it's like not just like... If somebody told a joke in a previous Pokemon game, it would be one of the... It would be like kind of a timeless joke in that it's just like... Right. A, it's wordplay. Or, or you would like roll your eyes right. real hard. Yes. Like a, yeah, like a Dude, pun based on Pokemon. Just like Professor Oak... Being in the game is really funny. Yeah. He's, like, really tan. <laughs> well, I don't think it's actually him. I think it's, is like, it? a, it's, a it's like his cousin or uh, something. But I thought yeah, it was actually it's him. It's just Professor I with think... long hair and he's tan. <laughs> I, I'd like to think that it is just him. And he just... And yeah. he's trying to, like, avoid attention. Right. <laughs> I'm into that, actually, yeah. yeah he's got, like, a Hawaiian shirt. He's really tan and his hair's long. Yeah. It's solid. It's good. <laughs> Didn't he, he introduces himself as Samuel Oak, doesn't he? Yeah, that's that's his name. That's Professor Oak's yeah. name is Sam. Professor Oak has a canon of first name. I think so. Oh, we can answer Thanks this question. Yeah, well, well, yeah, yeah, I think it's I think that. it's just him, which is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish I had written more of these things down. Uh, but there were a lot of things that are very much they were jokes, and they were jokes that were like specifically yeah. targeted like millennials. Yeah, like, yeah. 
Like the everything about um, Team wh- Skull. No, what's the professor's oh. name? I could never like decide how oh, to pronounce oh, it. Kui Kui or something. Yeah, uh, something Kukui, like that. I think. Yeah, Kukui or whatever. Yeah. yeah, everything with him. Like they just ripped on him every time he was like yeah. on screen. <laughs> they just, they, the whole game was basically roasting. Like, Kukui yeah, like every at all character times. who wasn't you that talked to him made fun of him. Yeah, <laughs> which was pretty funny. Well, and how. And how. How is uh You, How and Lily don't make fun of him. Right. Everyone else makes fun of him. <laughs> it's really good. Uh but now um, this kind of like it leads me into a point that I wanted to make which was I said like first chunk of the game really handholdy and annoying and over tutorialized. The thing is though is that the game doesn't really change that much as it goes on. Like, it keeps interrupting the game with little dialogue and cutscenes. Mm-hmm. But, like, the narrative focus shifts, and, like, it ends up, like, making it work. Right. Like, it, it when once you shift gears into actually, like, dealing with Team Skull, and, like, the plot thickens, mm-hmm. all of that stuff feels at home How and not inappropriate like it did in the first part. Yeah. As far as I can remember through times I've played Pokemon games, the plot has never once thickened. Well, I say the plot <laughs> thickened, I mean... Well, the plot thickens... Well, it does. Pretty... That's what I'm it, asking. Yeah. I'm asking, how does it thicken? I'm not skeptical that it thickens. Oh, yeah. Do you, like, do you, do you want, like, specifically, like, details? Because this... No, this, this is not uh, of a deal. Just what sort of changes in either tone or what went on that, that made you care more about what was going on? It just... It becomes a lot more dire. I think, um... The characterization of of Team Skull and the, like, tried-but-true good person turns out to not be a good person uh, moment in this game clash in a way that makes it work in terms of, like, your opinion on the plot. I I feel like Team Skull is how Team Rocket should have been personified in the first generation. Um... I'd say it has the plot has a nice escalation because mm. like Team Skull's introduced and they're like the average yeah. evil team, but then like they're portrayed as like really like sympathetic, yeah. like you like feel bad for them once you like learn like their backstory, which adds like a like a dimension that Pokemon doesn't usually have. They are just like generic evil, mm-hmm. and then yeah they. They kind of get the ball rolling with the plot when you go to Ether Paradise. Yeah. Which is like this central island in the archipelago. And it, you go there and it's like a pristine white like research lab. And like they're what researching. What are they supposed to be doing? They're a Pokemon conservatory. They take Pokemon who are injured in the wild and wouldn't survive and bring them to a conservation deck where they keep them. Uh, but that is, like, the outward face of Team Aether. Their actual intentions involve uh, researching ultra-wormholes. <laughs> which are, uh, like, tears in the, like, fabric of our dimension that occur in, in the Alola region. Okay. Um, which is plot, plot, plot to say... That there is, like, basically there's a whole alien invasion plot that shows up midway through this Pokemon game. Please. And it totally throws you for a loop, especially when you, like, 
sort of understand what Team, Team Skull's involvement is in it. Yeah, Team Skull almost ends up being like a red herring. Yeah. For the uh, other old people who might be listening to this, Team Skull is personified like the Foot Clan in the 90s live-action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, where it was just like a bunch of derelict kids who didn't have anywhere else to go joined the bad team to, like, give them some kind of guidance and, like, have taken over a town yeah. and, like, <laughs> straight up, like, uh, like, wastelanded it. Like, it's yeah. it's just, like, they've spray-tagged everything and, like, they're it's running like... the Pokemon Center <laughs> and charge you to heal your Pokemon. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And they have a big mansion that's, like, all destroyed that they live in. And it's just like it's, it's a cool part of the game. Yeah, this game has amazing set pieces. Yeah. Like of a for a Pokemon game, the set pieces in this game are yeah. really good. It's like this game manages to like leap that fence that Pokemon hadn't been able to, where it like it actually has narrative focus and they pull it off. Yeah, like they have like an appropriate like scale for the story and they tell it fairly well, and it just it all. It's a more cohesive package. Like the story does not feel tacked on to this game. Right. Good. But it, it's the it's that like the the their use of of the Aether Foundation, or rather specifically, um, Lusamine. Is that her name? Something like that. I believe it's Lusamine. L, it's an L name. Uh, if it's a L name, then it's definitely Lusamine. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because uh, who's like the she's the president of the Aether Foundation, mm-hmm. and she is the good person who is not actually a good person as mentioned before. Yeah. And basically her whole deal is that she is like become so obsessed with the ultra beast that she has uh, disowned her own children who turn out to be two people that you've encountered in yeah. the game. It's actually a pretty well done twist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Lily is pretty obvious. I didn't see it coming. Alright. <laughs> maybe I didn't, maybe I guess, I'm like, just a Pokemon savant I think it's because here. it was a plot in a Pokemon game. Like, I yeah. wasn't, like, thinking about it that hard. Right. Like, if I... Yeah, if I... I played the game and was, like, expecting a more involved story like that, I might have seen it coming. hmm And then... Uh, but Gladion was a complete surprise to me. I yeah. didn't I didn't see him being her son. And, uh... So she and Guzma, who's the head of, uh... Team Skull. Team Skull get sucked into the other... The, like, ultra dimension... <laughs> Uh, and that is, like, from that point is where the plot becomes, like, we have to now go to another dimension and to save these people, which, as you know from my discussion on Pokemon Platinum, I love going to other dimensions (laughs) and rescuing things. (laughs) So, that was, like, the whole second half of the plot for me was, like, a huge high point. Yeah. Uh, See, like... We talk, When we were talking two weeks ago, you said you mentioned something about the plot getting weird. Yeah. And I didn't know what you were talking about yet. But that worried me. Like, I was, like, worried it was going to turn into, like, the Delta episode for oh, Omega, right. Ruby, and Alpha Sapphire. Where it's weird where it all takes place in the same mundane, con- like, area that the rest of the game does, but they throw more words at you that don't Yes, like, because, like, I thought that really missed the mark and was stupid. Right. But it is not like that. No. It, they follow up on everything that they tell you about. Yes. Like, to the point where 
I wasn't even sure going in if you were going to be able to, like, capture Ultra Beasts, because they don't describe them as being Pokemon. Yeah. They sure as fuck don't look like Pokemon. And then, in the end, they're like, go catch the Ultra Beasts. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, <laughs> literally everything that it presents you with, it allows you to interact with on the ways that you would want to in a Pokemon game. I think it's really important for them, as then they did it in more mechanics, even... Well, more mechanics and more narrative things uh, than even just the Ultra Beasts in this game for them to start destroying the incredibly solid expectations they have built up for themselves, right? Because, like, I look at a box art legendary for Pokemon Sun and Moon. I see that huge red lion guy. And while I know it's supposed to be this, like, cool, awesome, unique thing of power, <laughs> I also know, like, for a fact... That by the end of the game, it will be a thing that I own that will be in my pocket. Right. But when they talk about the Ultra Beasts in the abstract, and they don't fill it out, and they intentionally separate it from the rest of the stuff that you encounter in Pokemon, uh, they suddenly open the possibility space back up again. And they could just be anything. They could just wreck your day. Yeah, and... There they do is, wreck your day, by the way. They're, like, like ludicrously yeah, strong. There is, that. like, a cutscene that plays when the wormholes open. Right. That shows you maybe one or two of them, but then the rest of them are like just a complete mystery to you. Yeah, yeah. The two that it showed me were one the one of the the Nialagos, the like jellyfish I something like that. That's actually Nialigo, the maybe. first name that I've heard that wasn't a joke in a Pokemon name that I can get by on <laughs> for for a name for like a crazy evil extra dimensional being. It's like a perfect name. Yeah, yeah. I think they, well they have. All of the, the Ultra Beasts also have, like, code names, which is weird. So, like... Yeah, I haven't even, like, begun to go catch them yet, yeah. so... Well, that's the other thing, is that you wouldn't even know that you could catch Ultra Beasts. You wouldn't even know that you could interact with them. What happens is a guy, an old man, is, like, hanging outside of your house. And if you go talk to him, he will give you, like, a business card with an address on the back of it. Sweet. <laughs> and you have to go to that place... To meet up with Looker, who is the now, like, four generations deep, like, <laughs> mystery guy. Oh, that guy. guy. The trench yeah. coat. Yeah, yeah, the trench coat guy. He was in Pokemon Generations. In one oh, of the yeah, episodes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I heard about that. Because I haven't watched it, but I might. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, you have to go to him, and then he's the one who gives you the, the information on them. And as far as I know, you can't encounter them elsewise. Not sure. Otherwise, yeah, otherwise, there, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, <laughs> like even if you know the locations of them, so you just like could just never even know that you could get them. But yeah, the two that it showed me were the jellyfish thing and uh, absorption, aka Buzz Swall. <laughs> uh, it's yeah. There, there are actually. A lot of, like, tiny problems for narrative things in Pokemon that this game breaks down. One that I was thinking about that I only realized when you started describing how, like, you go into the Pokemon Center and it's owned by another group of people mm -hmm. is the fact that every Pokemon game has treated as standard that you have to have this shop and this shop, and they all have to be roughly the same places in, like, roughly the same shapes. Right. Like, you can't differentiate towns as much if the two features that you're always going to go in the most by far in any town have to be identical to one another like chains. Right. It's like trying to characterize every town in the United States, but everything has to have a Walmart, and that Walmart has to be the thing that you have to shop at. Or yeah, whatever. that's exactly, yeah, like, 
if every town, if every residential town that you went to had like a visitor center that you had to check into before you could get, like go in, right? If every town was a gated community, it would be difficult to tell one from the other. And with the Ultra Beast, they get to introduce the idea of Pokemon that aren't necessarily your friends. Right. Which is also important for, like, an actual plot. Yeah. Yeah, and then enter Guzzlord, (laughs) who is just, like, straight up the, like, a horrible monster that is, they were just, like, that has killed a person before. Right, right. Uh... Which, spoiler for Andy, I apologize. Whatever. Guzzlord murdered someone, and now he currently is exploring a cave looking for leaf stones for me. Uh, <laughs> because there's always a weird dichotomy between Pokemon in the wild and Pokemon in your box. Of course. Yeah. And I mean, and even if in the end we once again turn the Ultra Beasts back into the things that you can be friends with, mm-hmm. what matters from a narrative perspective is the initial ambiguity. It's like, in the context of the story, they're not things that are your friends for a long time. Yeah, they're just straight up, like... Well, the way that they describe them, uh, initially, is that they are, like... And this is, like, a common sci-fi thing. Yeah. Um, is that they're, like, being ripped from their home dimension and are acting defensively, because they don't know where they are, like a confused animal... Except for Guzzlord, who's apparently been here for, like, years. <laughs> Which is... He's only murdered one guy. He's only murdered one Apparently nobody else fucks with him. Well, we've been here for how many years and never murdered a guy? I mean, he's Guzzlord. He's Guzzlord. <laughs> he only eats things. <laughs> Only I'm, one thing that he's eaten has been a human so far? Well, I, I guess only one person that we're aware of. Okay. So. I'm just saying I'm happy that the Pokemon games now have, like, a Guzzlord that can wreck your day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I appreciate the... And, like, I actually... I like the design of the Ultra Beasts, personally. And I, I actually really like the design of Alolan Pokemon, generally. Uh, there are very few... Like, visually speaking, in this game that I, I don't find appealing. And all, almost all of the Alolan forms of previous generation Pokemon. Yeah, the Alolan really forms are a great idea. Yeah. I think we discussed earlier that they seem to be universally well liked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, people just seem to love them generally. I don't know. I, I think the game just did a really good job of breaking. I want to say breaking the mold, even though it is, again, the same game. Yeah. It, it feels does, different, though. Yeah, it feels different enough to make the mechanics that feel good right. again. Yeah. It's like you play a first-person shooter in comparison to other first-person shooters to do the same thing mechanically, but you need a, like some variety to keep doing it. Oh, yeah. And I feel like this game is the most successful in terms of separating itself from its predecessors. And dude, got thank God for the ride pager. Oh yeah. Yeah, so HMs are gone. I heard about this. Yeah. You can just call specific Pokemon who are designed to do the work for you. And they're not yep. even like your Pokemon, right? They're just nope. like... They're, just other... they're Ubers for Charizard. Yes. Yeah. It's almost exactly that. I'm a little bit surprised that they didn't just call it like Pokemon Uber. <laughs> Uberman. Yeah. <laughs> Uberman. Uh, but yeah, you get Charizard flies you around. Mm. Taros is basically your bike, but he also does rock smash. Rock smash. Uh, Stoutland is your item finder. Yep. 
um, Lapras swims you around, yeah, and then they surf. make Lapras obsolete by giving you Sharpedo, who surfs you around faster and can break rocks. And is uh, also designed like a jet ski. He yes. has like <laughs> the two things that you stand on in the back. And you hold the fin. Like you designed the fin. as in like they put like a saddle on him that has those things, or someone would like genetically alter no. the Sharpedo like to be a perfect harness. Yeah, Sharpedo was already like designed. At like a jet ski. Yeah, because he's like a shark. Naturally. He's a shark with the back end of him cut off. <laughs> so now he's just literally a jet ski. And my favorite one. You actually skipped. Oh, uh, Charizard. Mudsdale. Oh it's yeah, Mudsdale. It's a horse. It's it's like a. Donkey. Oh oh, I've seen it. Can take, early spoiled. It Pokemon. can take you over like rocky. Yeah, rough terrain. terrain. Okay. Almost nothing. Yeah. Ever requires you to do that. Um, it's, I guess he's like the acro bike. <laughs> right. And then you've got my favorite, which is Machamp, who carries you around and, like, uses strength. To do what? Pushes boulders. Yeah, he put, yeah. Does he, like, over the shoulder you with one of the arms? No, he has four arms, so he carries you with the two in front, and then he, like, pushes with others up top. Yeah, it's actually super good design. Yeah, I'm just, just going to pull it up. Because they, they had the to carry you because they can't have two separate standing human beings. They couldn't, like, put the mechan- they, they can put, put the Machamp in front of you. And have and have to be controlling both in like a line or something, right? Because the champ is the one that you care about that's pushing the objects. Mm-hmm. So their solution to how do we make a, a machamp and a person take up the same amount of space is to make the machamp just pick you up like a <laughs> weird romance novel cover. <laughs> it's <laughs> exactly that. It's, 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 it's just the best it's part. It's beautiful. Uh, God. But yeah, it's been a long time coming. But they use them in the same way that the the HMs were before. Uh, but like obviously, there's a mi- there are a lot of benefits to this system yeah. over the previous one. Just, uh, run around there. God, <laughs> <laughs> it's so. Wait, are you? Oh, God, are you? Your is your character? Oh man, if your character was female, no. this would be the weirdest thing. This would be. This is already the weirdest thing. What's already weird is having a female Machamp generally. <laughs> Why is the Pokemon design doesn't really? Uh... I already it already it just occurred to me that Machamp's arms in like the every time he's displayed in a photo, the resting position of his top arms are flexing. Yeah, it's he's like, like up here. He's just like bouncing around roughly <laughs> because he just has to be continuously flexing all the time. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah, those are the real life chuckles of somebody seeing the Machamp carry animation for the first time. Yeah, I, I like. Think, I really do like that. The, that it, it, in this system that they've chose, there are the obvious like quality of life improvements. We don't have to like waste the slot of the move and all that. Right. But the the reason that they always argued initially, well, not explicitly, of course, but the reason I presumed why they always wanted HMs to be like moves that were tied to your specific Pokemon is because they wanted the Pokemon in your party to be the ones that are helping you. Right. And it seems with like this, they've compromised and been like, okay, so we won't just have like a magic device, like a like, piece of electronics that can do these things. But we don't want to make your Pokemon worse in order to try and force you to like care about them more either. So we'll just have specific like other Pokemon. Like it doesn't have to be your Pokemon that you have to care about. You can just have like a Machamp that's your Machamp bro. Right. You can just call up. Yeah, and the the they characterize a few of them. Like the Tauros is specifically the Island Kahuna's Tauros from the first island. Oh, that's great. And the Mudsdale. Yeah. The Mudsdale. Is to what's her name? Ip- Ip- oh wait, no, that's. He- Ipu, 
whatever her name is. Regardless she's one of the Catholics. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. The well, no, she's a Kahuna. She's one of the Kahuna. Yeah, she ends up yes. being a Kahuna, uh, which she's like what like she basically pulls a Stephen Stone. Yeah. Where the, she like is a buddy of yours throughout the game, and then at the end turns out to have been, been chosen the to the time. Kahuna. Well, yeah. she didn't doesn't get chosen oh, she gets until chosen, you yeah. like go and confront the deity. But right. yeah, very neat. Yes, and of course. All of the Pokemon problems that are in all the other games rear their heads in this game as well, in that, like, at the end of the game, you can capture all of the guardian deities of the island, leaving it entirely unprotected. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that's an unexplored consequence they've never talked about. Yeah, but, I mean, it doesn't do anything in terms of the game. That's what I mean. It's like, why not in the future just have a game and be like, oh, no, you caught the master of the volcano. Right. Our entire industry is breaking down. Thousands will lose their jobs. catch the god of Pokemon at one point, or, like... The like, I think Ruby and Sapphire do the best job of like contextualizing it because you catch them to go fucking stop the opposite one from destroying the world. Right, and like their default state was to be lying dormant anyway. Right. So like catching them solves the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're gonna be like. Whereas in this game, it seems like you're causing all... The first thing that happens in this game is that you fall to your death off of a bridge, but before you die, the guardian deity swoops in and picks you up. And now you just have to... You go back to that bridge, and there's like four dead bodies laying down at the bottom. Now he's fucking growing berries on Isle of Plenty. Maybe he can... uh, Teleport from Island of Plenty to the island to protect it. <laughs> to protect the island? Again, I hope so, you know? Because otherwise, like, somebody's gonna die. Yeah, for but. sure. This is something stupid uh, that I never asked about before. Uh, the, uh, like, hypothetical islands that are the box things that you can do now, where you can make your Pokemon go on cool little adventures when you're yeah. in the box. Do those islands physically exist, or is it like a computer simulation of an island made to make your Pokemon feel better? I'm unsure, but there is a dude that lives there, so <laughs> it's kind of like... like I think it's a computer simulation, then that guy might be an AI. I think it's... At least I got the impression that they were supposed to be real islands. Yeah, I did as well, because you have to like... Well, because they give you beans. <laughs> Which then are transferred to the real world. Okay, so if the beans exist, then the island exists. But the Pokemon exist, and previously they were just in a computer. Maybe you put them in the computer, and then the guy on the island takes them out of the computer and puts them and puts them into the, the on island. the islands, like Professor Oak does with Ash's Pokemon in the show. Yeah, I'm willing to believe that that is the case. That's to probably, prevent, like, existential yeah, horror. That's yeah. probably what the, they're going for. Pokemon can transfer matter to energy, but as far as I'm aware, they can't, like, create... They don't They don't have the ability to just understand, like, all of the necessary information and create information to create objects on computers that can then be turned into things in reality. In the real world. Like, you couldn't right. make, like, a Pokemon God. laser that just, like, spawned Pokemon in right. the Pokemon universe. You need a, a, start, you need a starting a state. Yeah, I, I yeah. think you've thought about this harder than anyone at Game <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If they had, like, if they could, like, 3D print life, like, all life of any form. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to talk about how the Poké Pelico is basically an idle game that they jammed into their Pokemon game. It, well, what do you mean by idle game? Is those, like, web browser based games? Yeah, yeah, like, like, like a clicker game. Okay. It's kind of like that where you just sort of, like, 
go in and tell them to do things, and it starts a timer, and then you just check back 12 hours later. Yeah, but you get berries that you can, like, actually eat. We get, it's actually super useful, and I don't know exactly how I feel about it. I like that I'm just passively generating useful items, yeah. because you can get, like, stones, like evolutionary stones, money-making items, not that you need money anymore in this game. Yeah. Because yeah. after you collect, after you come, because that was actually a big thing, and this is another spoiler for Andy. I apologize. Sorry. But after uh, you collect the Ultra Beast, I remember throughout the entire game, I was thinking, like, I feel like money is actually, like, kind of tight in this game. Like, I don't have, like, enough money to just, like, buy a hundred forest stores and just sit on them for, like, the whole game. Mm -hmm. Um... I had to, like, actually ration out what I was purchasing. But then, when you complete the Ultra Beast thing, Looker pays you one million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, he's like, here's some, like, like, here's your payment for completing the mission. It's like, you received one million dollars. <laughs> it's like, look at me now, Ma. Pokemon <laughs> Millionaire. So, that's a little bit absurd. But, uh, so that basically completely removes the necessity to ever have, like, nuggets anymore. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you can also, like, level up your Pokemon, train EVs yeah. over time. Like, all kinds of shit on it. And, it, like, it's cool, but I kind of don't ever want to keep checking it. It just is a thing that nags at me now. Uh. Uh, other than that, like, Festival Plaza isn't really anything that special. No. It's, like, mini-games. And it's where you communicate with people. It's one of those features that I just want to ignore. Mm -hmm. yeah. For some reason, I don't really know why. I mean, I don't really blame <laughs> you. It's not, like, super engaging. Right, yeah. Uh, we sort of drifted near this point, like, two or three times in prior conversation. But I really like that they seem to have switched the... I don't know exactly which word's correct here. But, like, aesthetics, maybe... Uh, in a lot of the older games, uh, after um, Ruby and Sapphire, it seems like progressively, if I was just like stepping back and looking at both the screen and the areas that you inhabit and the sort of stuff that you do, Pokemon was coming like increasingly technological, where they kept having like all these little gadgets and gizmos and things and like fancy pieces of technology that could do all the stuff. And all the plots were based on like crazy huge machines that yeah. did shit. And it seems like now they're backing off and going n less of a high-tech futuristic route in a lot of zones and more towards, like, actual, like, geographic environments and, like, you know, habitat zones and shit where all these different creatures can live and they're in some kind of, like, tech future planet building. Yeah, I actually, like, for all of the, like, modern conveniences in the Pokemon world yeah. that uh, that that Sun and Moon do present you with. It's all contextualized in a way that makes it feel... I don't say natural. That's, like, exactly the opposite word. It, it feels, like, appropriate for the area. Because, like, the whole tone of Sun and Moon and the whole tone of the Alola region generally is one of, like, it people vacation there. Like, yeah. it's super laid-back people are just... Like fucking bombing around in, in board shorts, and it looks and colorful, yeah. not like something Apple would make. And right. it's not that like heavily populated either, which like lends itself, yeah, to like, like the more like less technologically advanced. Yeah, area. and so everything that you do is dealt with through your Pokedex, which is 
as is like widely known at this point, a Rotom. Like it, it is a Pokemon that possesses a Pokedex. Great idea. Great idea. Um, but because of it, it feels more understandable, I think, that it does things because it's like sentient. So rather <laughs> than just being like a crazy piece of technology where you could like train your Pokemon on it, like in X and, X and Y with super training, they've now personified it and said like, look, this is just like basically using like Siri on your on your phone or Cortana or whatever other like voice activated thing you're using. <laughs> so you just talk to the Rotom and it's like, it feels better to check the Pokedex and say like, where is this Pokemon? And it, it highlighted on the map. It's like, we know this is the habitat of this Pokemon because you've seen it before. And, like, it can look it up for you. Yeah. It's like they took the whole idea of, like, from the show, the Dex is always talked. Right. Right? Like, Dexter was always the AI of the Pokedex. Right. They were like, why don't we just go a step further and make it sentient so mm. it can actually talk to you and tell you the information. And making that a Pokemon was a really important choice. Cause I, oh, yeah. Because it could have easily just been, like, a lame, stupid side character, but if it's a Pokemon, then obviously everyone's going to get it. Yeah, around. obviously. And I love that, like, other people will talk to your Pokedex. Yeah. Like, they'll be like, hey, Rotom, how's it going? And he's like, it's great. Yeah. And they're like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, you have a Rotom deck? Yeah, and like Rotom will just like respond to them. Yeah, he'll like, like just pop out and be like, "Hey, man." Yeah, it's so Z- good. <laughs> <laughs> Several Z's. <laughs> yeah, I think Rotom decks is just generally a good idea. It's one of those things that like when they don't bring it back in the next game, <laughs> I'm gonna be upset. <laughs> That's fair. That's very fair. Yeah. And not only that, but, like, I have, the, like, a really strong suspicion that that's going to happen. Oh, yeah. It'll mm-hmm. be Earth, ex- Sun, and Moon exclusive. All right. So, we <laughs> marked the, the timestamp at three minutes where I was immediately talking about IVs. Mm-hmm. Now that we've done an hour since then, on uh, or almost an hour, 50 minutes, uh, about it, I'd like to talk about, like, one mechanical thing. Yeah! <laughs> I guess. Since we were just talking about all of the happy, fun things that are in Pokemon, mm-hmm. I need to talk about how Pokemon brutally murder each other uh, with new Z moves. <laughs> okay, yeah, this is important. I really need you guys to explain to me why the Z moves are cool. Well, that's going to be difficult because I don't think that they are cool. Okay. Me neither. <laughs> okay. So we're in the same boat yeah, on this. Like, I didn't use them until like the Elite Four. There, you, you need items on specific Pokemon to unlock the use of the moves, and the moves are have uniques for some Pokemon, but are broadly the same animation. Yeah. So they're unique Z moves for Pikachu, Alolan Raichu, the Guardian Deities, Snorlax, and each of the starters. That sounds right. Yeah, I believe that is all. But if I'm missing one, you're not missing twenty. Is the important. Yeah, the, yeah, it's not very many. And then uh, additionally, there's a Z stone for each. Uh, like elemental type. Yeah. So, basically, whenever you use Z move, it replaces one of the moves that your Pokemon knows of that type, and you can do Z status moves. I forget what they do uh, because I think <laughs> yeah, I've done like, it one like time. Like Z Thunder Wave is one. I didn't have never used it. Yeah. So you can do status moves with Z moves for some reason, and it will do a thing. Um, but for the most part, they just replace a 
an attacking move with like a souped up more powerful version. Yeah, I know that. What's mm-hmm. going to the mechanics? Oh, okay. So it takes the base power of whatever move you're using or whatever you're replacing it with and like amps it to a specified number. And I'm not sure if it's a percentage or if it's like a plus or minus some amount. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and it just, do you, it's just a move of that element that hits through protect at 25% uh, damage. Okay. So protect doesn't completely protect somebody from a Z move. Uh, and 100% accuracy. That just deals a bunch of damage that you can use one time per battle uh, on any Pokemon. So the problem that I have with this one is that it removes, like, you can't have a held item. You have to hold on to this. And in terms of, like, actual battling, generally speaking, you're just going to want to anticipate one Pokemon using a Z-move. Because I can't imagine rolling in with, like, three Z-crystals just in case, and then giving up all of that value of not having a held item. Um, and then, additionally, it plays, like, a long, like, a really long, unskippable cutscene, yeah. and I didn't want to use it because it just took a long time. Your <laughs> character does a dumb little pose. Yeah. I mean, that being said, like, like the Raichu one that I just showed you, that one made me laugh out loud the first time that I saw it. Yeah, that. a lot of them are, like, really over the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the Tapu ones are really funny the first time you see it, and the same with Pulverizing Pancake. Mm-hmm. Like, all of those things are great. If you turn off the battle animations, does it get rid of those? I'm not sure, because I believe battle animations on. I you I do like when I'm playing through the game, but like once I'm like doing post game stuff, I usually turn them off. That could be something but that I, we could look yeah, into. I haven't tested it yet. Yeah, but I mean, I'm sure that because I mean, it, this has a history in RPGs generally. Hell, it has a history in fighting games. Like in Marvel vs. Capcom, you can use like an ultra move. Oh yeah, in, that plays a big scene and like. Injustice yeah. has that. Yeah. as well. And, like, those are specifically used in fighting games for you to have an opportunity to gloat at your opponent if you land one. Like, there's, like, a social context for those existing. Mm-hmm. Um, in Pokemon, it just seems, like, crazy. And some of it's really amusing sometimes. Like, if you've ever seen a Hariyama be hit with, like, the Dark-type Z-move, it, like, sucks him into a black hole, but Harham's model is so enormous that it, like, doesn't look right, where he just, like, floats off the ground and flies up into a black hole. Uh, but for the most part, I'm always just kind of frustrated how long they take. It is a great way to just, like, know you're gonna kill a guy immediately. Yeah, it's it's too overpowered in the main game. It's less overpowered than Mega Evolutions. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Because, like, you can use that, like, you know, that's like a free kill on, like, one of the Elite Fours, like, Pokemon. Right. Like, you know it's gonna knock them out. Things like that. Yeah. And that's what I used it for, mostly, is, yeah. like, if I was... I think it comes down to... I presume that you also found the game pretty easy. Yes. And I think that Pokemon games generally aspire to be easy games. Yeah, especially yeah. the newer ones. Like, the last couple, they give you, like, the experience all, or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. It, like, I brought up in the last, um, whichever part that's in. Uh, I'm actually not sure yet. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. I brought it up before. 
And like yeah, that just makes the game so much easier. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it makes the game pretty easy, and they, I think they want it to be. Um, that being said, I've I am up to like end game content, and I haven't lost a battle yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I, is, I didn't lose a single battle either. Which is, I think that's a little concerning. I think that that may be a mark of it being a little bit too easy. Like, I feel like I should have fucked up at least once. Mm-hmm. I mean, I used items and shit, though. Like, it's not like I didn't occasionally drop a max revive on somebody, but mm-hmm. it just is a little, uh, a little weird. But yeah, I don't know if, I don't know what else you want to talk about. Uh, I do have one other thing, I guess, that I forgot about until just now. Go for it. Um is that when actually making my team this generation, I felt like I had, like, a bevy of options open to me from the beginning. Like, I felt like they introduce cool Pokemon to you in this game way sooner than they do in most other Pokemon games. Good. We we, we talked about wanting that to be the case in the earlier cast. I think they've been doing that since, like, Black and White, though, I think. I still feel like my teams generally are just, like, the first elemental type of that I run into as and they slowly replace the like Lillipups and Pidgeys and Caterpies of the world mm-hmm. um, slowly over the course of the game. Whereas in this game, like I immediately started with uh, like a Makuhitu and a Misdreavus. Uh, yeah, Misdreavus. And like things like that, which are Pokemon that I've never used before in a game because they're always like things that you find way later in the game and you don't want to swap out the Pokemon that you've already trained to like try a new thing. Yep. But even then I did that in this game. Like I swapped out uh my Hariyama for for an a, a crab crabominable yeah. eventually because it was just too cool not to use. <laughs> Turns out he's bad, but like what are you gonna do? <laughs> Crab Pokemon can't catch a beret. They really can't. But yeah, so overall, I really liked it. Still playing it. Yeah. Thumbs up. Best Pokemon game in a while. Spent like twenty minutes precast also playing it. Yeah. Yeah. How was, that was those twenty minutes? He, he said that we we played it for twenty minutes. Yeah, um, I didn't. I didn't play it for. 20 oh, minutes. JJ for looked like, at the screen for like yeah for like one minute. I guess. <laughs> How was that one minute? Your sensation of time is really intense. So yeah, uh, I'm gonna just gonna splice in the like ending from the last one Good. right now, over top of a lot of what we ba ba done. So God, that's so weird. It's so weird to end a cast with no closure at all. None. If you want to get a hold of us, wait for a one second when I splice in the old clip. <laughs> Thank you for listening to No Clip this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, uh, don't play the game that <laughs> we're going to... Just going to throw that out there immediately. Uh, we're going to be talking about Rascal on the PlayStation 1. Uh, this is a game that is notoriously terrible, um, and we're playing it both for the novelty of that and because we'll be joined, uh, by Dan, who you might remember from the Trine podcast, uh, who played this game as a youth, and, uh, we want to sort of discuss that and other terrible, like, ideas you have when you're a kid. Yep, trying out something different, doing a little bit of a jokey podcast. Unlike these very serious podcasts. Right. Very serious Well... 
we don't just shit all over the games that we <laughs> normally talk about, so... I don't know. I mean, I've had at least one experience where well, I spent an hour and a half just grunting and shoving something well, out of my anus. I anticipate that we're going to rip Rascal a new asshole, so... That's fair. If you'd like to rip us a new asshole, <laughs> you can do that. Uh, our email is noclippodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we have a website, noclippodcast.com, where the episodes are hosted. Uh, on Twitter, at noclippodcast, if you'd like to do that very publicly. <laughs> and uh, you can find us on uh, YouTube, just under noclip. And go ahead and leave us a rating, review on iTunes, tell your friends. Water the dog. Uh, plant the owl. <laughs> We're uh, still making Pokemon references. <laughs> <laughs> and fire the... Leaf green. Cat. <laughs>